You never do that? No! Oh, it's the best way. If you have like a good recommendation, you trust something, you know like, okay, this is worth reading, and then you can like save yourself from like spoiling. Mm-hmm. I might need to lie down. This is too much yeah. to handle. Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Keep It Fictional brought to you from the Port Moody Public Library. I'm Virginia and I'm here with my fellow book lovers, Sadie, Fiona, Corinne, and Liz. All right, before we go on to our um, remaining picks, we have the question of the day. This question is actually kind of inspired by my husband because... I borrow books for him, and the first thing when I bring them home, the first thing he will look at, he will open the book and see what tense the book is written in. He will not read any book that is written in present tense, especially first-person present tense. It doesn't matter what kind of story it is, like he will just, he will not. So I wanted to ask everybody here, Other than content, so not talk about content or like what you like about the author or not. Are there things that that seem kind of trivial or small that will stop you from reading a book? That things that you're like, no, I really can't deal with that. You know, like we talk about bad covers, for example. So, feel now. Are there things that bug you that you will not read a book because of that? I was so hoping you wouldn't ask me first. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can really think of is page count. I can't, I don't really do, like, I like things that are under 300 pages, and I usually won't pick something up if it's over that. Sadie? Honestly, not really. Um, like, I think you kind of mentioned, like, content things. But apart from that, there's not much in, like, the physicality of a book that uh, that will sort of turn me turn me off or, or things that I, I specifically refuse to read. Oh, yeah. It, it, my, my, I think my choices more come down to content than, than anything else. Corinne, any pet peeves? Oh, yes. Of course. Of course there are. Size, like if a hardcover book is like the wrong size, like it's too big or too small mm-hmm. and then it's like clunky, like Kate Morton, I love you, but your books are just like unwieldy unwieldy um as well as i don't like a weak spine like i don't like cracking a spine that really like because then the book's going to fall apart after the first reading so i like like a sturdy spine like it's going to stick together it's good to page through but the other thing that drives me insane is if the spine binding on it is too close so that you really have to like Mm -hmm. curl around and then you feel like i might break the spine if i'm not careful um right now i am reading the wrong stars and I'm like, oh, it's really hard. Like the words are just getting too close to the gutter. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, so a couple things. Just a few, just a few. This. I gotta agree about page count and it won't necessarily be a deal breaker, but it, it'll deter me unless there's a really good other reason. 
to take out a doorstopper. So right now I have a copy of uh, Barack Obama's A Promised Land, which clocks in at over 700 pages. And I think that's not even counting the pages of photographs. And the paper is almost like Bible paper. So that's a little bit scary. It's not really meant for bedtime reading, but because it's an Obama book, I mean, I will persevere um, and take the time to read it just as he took the time to write this lengthy document. Um, another thing that will kind of make me question whether I want to read a book is hype. So if all of a sudden every single outlet, whether they talk about books or not, all of a sudden is like, we love this book. This book is so amazing. Everybody should read it. Everybody will love it. I very well may love it if I took the time to read it, but that will kind of make me go, oh, I don't know. Maybe I want to give some love to those authors who aren't getting all that publicity or are talking about topics that aren't really popular. I, I kind of know what you mean. Like if, if everybody's talking about it, sometimes I'm like, eh, eh. Like, that's why I think it took me, like, years before I started reading Game of Thrones because I didn't want to read it when everybody was talking about it because I'm like, eh, I don't want to. Um, but, yeah, so I, I get it. I get it. Um, see, I didn't think I had anything that bothers me until my husband reminded me that I recently borrowed a book called The Old Drift. It is a science fiction that won one of the Arthur C. Clarke Awards. So I'm like, I want to know what that is. And I couldn't read it, even though it sounds super interesting because... I guess the publisher decides to use to divide up the segments of the book is they use a tiny little icon of a mosquito. So every single time I turn a couple pages, I see this little mosquito that looks like it is an actual bug on the page. And I couldn't deal with that. So I'm like, no, can't read it, you know, and I stop and I feel so bad because I really, really want to read it. But, but I cannot deal with these random bugs that just show up on the page. So... Nope. So that is my thing, apparently. Maybe an audiobook version. It's a very long book. <laughs> it's going to be a year-long audiobook project. So <laughs> maybe not. I wonder what the ebook is like. Maybe I have to find the ebook. Maybe there's a maybe there's like a. I like oh, a sound yeah. <laughs> that that's when you know that you need to turn the page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Um, all right, so let's get back to some more picks for the upcoming releases. So Liz, back to you. Okay, um, I've got a book set in Scandinavia. Now this is called The Witch's Heart, and it's by Genevieve Kornishek. Um, And this is a reimagining of Norse mythology. I don't really tend to like reimaginings, but I do like them when they involve foreign folklore, go figure. So this kind of kind of ticks all the boxes and the cover is just, I gotta say, the cover is absolutely beautiful. For the cover alone, definitely would pick this book up at the library or at the bookstore. So essentially the storyline deals with the witch Angerboda. Now she has the ability to foretell the future. Um, however, when Odin asks her to foretell his future fortunes, she refuses to do so. And so he is angered and punishes her, sentences her to be burnt. Now she survives the burning, but her powers have disappeared. And she retreats into the forest to hide. It's in the forest that Loki stumbles upon her. And eventually she does 
the witch Angravoda does come to trust him um, and love him. And they end up having three children, all with special gifts of their own. So during this time, while Angravoda and Loki have been making their family, um, she has gradually been recovering her powers of uh, foresight, albeit slowly. Eventually comes a time when, um, even though she's she's hopeful that she can stay out of Odin's watchful gaze uh, and just live a normal family life, I guess as normal uh, as it could be for a witch. Through her powers of prophecy, she realizes that her family is actually in danger. So ultimately, um, she has a choice between accepting the fate that she foresees for herself and her family and her children, um, or doing something to change their future, which could come at great peril. So sounds exciting, it involves Norse mythology, um, which I'm down for. So Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornishek is one of my picks. Thank you. That sounds like a, sounds, I, I love retellings. Like, I think Sadie, you're probably, yeah. So, and yeah. it's nice to see different kinds of retellings. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Sounds we'll like add that a, one. Yeah, it sounds like it could be a Sadie book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corinne. You are next. Let's do it. My penultimate book. My penultimate book is by an author who I really love and who has written one book that whenever anyone is looking for a recommendation for a good book is kind of like my go-to. This one is taking on some subject matter that I am, I, I guess we will see how successful it is. Kind of like a interesting concept. So we'll, we'll see. Um, it is, of course, Jennifer Robson who wrote the uh, novel The Gown, which, of course, I recommend to everyone. This is uh, her newest book. It actually came out on the 5th, and it is Our Darkest Night. And it surrounds a young woman named Antonia Marzen, and she is Jewish. She is living in Italy. It is 1943, and things are becoming kind of increasingly dangerous for her and her family. In the hopes of saving her life, um, she has very few options. So her family decide that um, she will go to the countryside where it is less likely that she'll be caught than in an urban area and pretend to be married to a man who she has just met. The man in question is Nico Girardi and he was studying to become a priest of before the war. However, when he kind of takes a look around and starts seeing what's happening in the world, he, he believes that he can no longer idly stand by and do nothing. So he decided to leave the priesthood, um, take Antonina, and go to the rural era, era, rural area. Those are the hardest words in the world, hardest words in the world to say. Um, go to kind of like a rural agricultural era where his um, family grew up and they will pretend to be happily new, happy newlyweds and hopefully they can convince the townspeople there as well as the Nazi officials that Antonina is his wife and that their story holds up until she is able to flee to somewhere safer. This, this it promises to be very tense. I think it would be good for people who enjoy Kate Quinn's books. It looks to be a little bit of a love story, which I, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but I have really enjoyed Jennifer Robson's stories before. I really like her her series set in World War One. I. I believe this is the first time she has actually written about World War II. Um, so I'm interested to see how this turns out. It will probably be romantic. Um, it will probably be... a 
for fans of historical fiction. Um, so I am interested in getting my hands on it when my hold comes in. So Our Darkest Night. I know a few of our patrons are very excited about that book, too. Again, The Gown is almost the perfect book for someone who's just looking for a good book. So it tracks. It tracks. All right, Sadie. What good book do you have for us? All right. So I am moving on to new authors to me. And uh, this kind of follows Liz's theme of retellings. And this is um, a retelling of a musical, which is... Uh, something that I have started reading more of with um, A Wish in the Dark last year was a retelling of Les Miserables, and this is a retelling of Phantom of the Opera. Now, I will preface this by saying I'm not a huge fan of Phantom of the Opera as a musical, um, but it does involve singing and music, and that is all things that I love. Um, so this is called Sing Me Forgotten by Jessica S. Olson, and this story follows Isda. And Izda does not technically exist. At least the entire world does not think that she exists. Uh, when she was younger, she was cast into a well uh, because she was a magical being who has the ability to manipulate people's memories when they sing. And so she was at birth cast into this well um, to kind of save the world from, from her manipulating their memories. An opera house owner, Cyril, saves her and has given her sanctuary in his opera house uh, since that day. Now, she is safe there. She doesn't have to worry about anyone tracking her down, but she's not allowed to leave. And if she leaves and if her and Cyril are found out, the price that they would pay is uh, with their lives. So she's not allowed to leave and she stays there. Uh, the one thing that she has to do for Cyril is make sure that ticket sales stay high. So that's sort of the bargain that they have made. But then Isda meets Emmerich and Emmerich is a charming boy, He kind of throws off her life. Um, his voice is enchanting. She's never heard anything like it before. And when she views his memories, she sees something that might be able to help her escape from this world and from this life uh, that she has been forced to live in because of her ability. So again, I'm very excited because it is based on a musical. I'm just kind of excited to see how they use music and how they use song and how they, they use singing um, in the story. And it's a retelling. So I do love retellings. Uh, so that is, again, Sing Me Forgotten by Jessica S. Olson. More retelling. More retelling. More music. More music. That's a Venn diagram of a Sadie book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Music, retelling, and YA. I mean, yeah. what else? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when you talk about the last book, you said that there was like lines actually from. Yes, I, I wonder. Yeah. This one would have That'd that. Be cool. Yeah. And I don't know Phantom as well as I know Lame is. So we'll see if it happens. But... All right, Fiona. I'm sorry. I, I realized I mixed up the uh, order. Oh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So my fourth pick is a graphic novel, and it is the fourth of four in a series by Katharina Vermet. Um, she is a governor. Uh, general award winning author for her book, uh, The Break. Illustrations are done by Scott B. Henderson, who is not Indigenous, but he has worked at length with Indigenous authors to 
bring their works into comic books. Um, so this is four of four and they're very slim uh, comics about Echo. So the series is called A Girl Called Echo and this one is called The Road Allowance Era. Echo is a 13-year-old girl, uh, Métis girl, who is in foster care um, while her mother deals with uh, addiction issues. Um, she's pretty checked out from the things going on in her day-to-day life in high school uh, until she enters Mr. B's history class and history starts to become her reality. So she kind of goes back in time in a little bit of like an Octavia Butler uh, kindred sort of way where she just kind of gets sucked back in and it, and it does turn out that it is um, to her, the time of her ancestors. Uh, so actually seeing people that she's related to. So like I said, they're very slim. So I'm super excited for this to be the fourth one and for them all to come out together because it's sometimes a little bit hard to follow. But uh, the first one is about fur traders, and then you get she gets to meet Louis Riel, uh, who's a historical figure that I'm really interested in. Um, and this one, uh, this final one, it takes place when Louis Riel is executed, and the Métis have uh, not gotten their um, promised land that was uh, that sorry that the Manitoba Act promised, um, and so they are. Uh, living on road allowance which i my understanding is pretty much just like squatting on places that could be made into roads at any time or are uh basically such an ideal lands that nobody uh wants to live there um so interested uh and excited for the conclusion of this it's very powerful to get to see this history visualized and i find that the author does a or the the partnership they do a lot they show a lot rather than tell so it's really good at just sort of like bringing you into history thank you has anybody read that series because i haven't and it sounds interesting but i'm not a historical fiction person so i'm like "Eh." it's like when you're like serial killer no and i'm like historical fiction no (laughs) (laughs) however I do have a historical fiction next. I don't know what happened here. This is not a Virginia kind of book, but it got rave reviews from some people that I, like some online reviewers that I, I find quite similar in reading taste. So I'm like, oh, you know, if they like it, maybe I will. And and I actually read this book already and it is pretty darn amazing. So uh, my next book is The Rip King by Lady Hubbard. Before I go and tell you about this book, my pet peeve about some of the books, Jacket, when they publisher do description is that the description tells you about things that doesn't happen until like way later like halfway through the book and this is what happened to this book so I was really annoyed that it told me about something that I was kind of like waiting for to happen but it didn't happen until like way past halfway the book so that is super annoying people should stop doing that but anyway the Rip King is about the staff that work for the Barclay family the Barclays are a southern white family and they hire an all-black staff because Mr. Barclay believes that if they are all the same color, then there would be less trouble, according to him. The Barclays used to be very well off. 
but the times are a little bit harder for them now. And so their business deals are not really going through very well. And so they are kind of losing money. And the only way they really know how to deal with it is to fire some staff rather than not go shopping or not host these fancy dinners demanding like fancy ingredients. So it is really up to the staff that work there to try to find ways to keep up this appearance of affluence for the Barclay family. And we follow a few of the different staff throughout the book. And we start with Mr. Sitwell, who is the groundskeeper. And uh, he usually works outside, but because there's always work to do inside, sometimes he gets to come in to like serve food. And he also has this like interesting talent that if he tastes something, he can tell you all the ingredients that make up whatever it is. So it's kind of like a parlor trick. And Mr. Barclay loved to show off Mr. Sitwell's talent during his parties. Mr. Sitwell has a soft spot for three of the kids that that live with the Barclays. They are Mac, Bart, and Frederick. And they are orphans that are taken in by the Barclay family. They sort of have a tradition of taking in orphans, giving them some training, and then send them out to the world or keep them, um, you know, if they are good. And Mr. Sitwell has a soft spot for them because once upon a time, he was just like them. He was an orphan that was taken in by the Barclay family. And so he really want to watch out for these kids because they don't, really understand how unkind and how unforgiving the world is to Black people. And they just don't quite get it yet. And so he wants to make sure that they are safe because any little things that you do wrong will be the end of you. So he just want to take care of them. That's why he was quite upset when he saw these kids reading a book one day. He's like, where did you get this book, kids? Because there's no way that they would have a book. And when the kids keep ensuring him, no, no, we didn't steal it. We didn't take it. It was passed around from one of Mr. Barclay's dinner guests last week. And he was just giving this novel out. So we just sort of pick it up. Like we didn't steal it. We promise. After Mr. Sidwell was like, okay, okay, so this is okay. But and, and he gives a whole lecture on like, you know, you really want to be careful. You want to make sure that there's no misunderstanding. You know, you got to be careful, kids. He started asking about what the book is about. And when the kids were telling him about the book, he was like, wait, what? I know the story. I know these people. Those characters in the book, I know them. They were people from his past. It was people that he used to live with before he became an orphan. And he knew those people. But the story that they were telling him, the facts have been changed the people, races have been changed. Like everything is just different and it's all wrong. That's not how the story goes. That's not actually what happens. And Mr. Sidwell started to become really upset about this, whoever this is, that took the story and made all these changes. And he started getting a little obsessed. And that is going to set off this whole chain of events that is going to affect everybody in the Barclay household. This is a book about race, about privilege, about people's obsession with Black iconography. It is so mesmerizing. I don't read historical fiction, but this was really, really interesting. I love all the characters. There were some pretty shocking bits that happened. So, you know, fair warning. 
it's a really, really interesting look at people that lives in times when there are no good choices, when they, they are given, like they have forced to make these choices in their life when there is just no good ones. Um, so if you are interested, please take a look at The Rip King by Lady Hubbard. Okay, I know I said one of my pet peeves was books that have really been hyped. So it's going to look like I'm supposed to eat crow, but I swear I asked Virginia if we could order a copy of this way, 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 way back in time. And this is Outlawed by Anna North. Uh, it's getting promoted by all the major pop culture outlets, BuzzFeed, Pop Sugar, that kind of thing. It is also uh, Reese's, yes, Reese Witherspoon's latest book club pick. I'm sure it's absolutely wonderful because when I read the premise for this, I thought, I got to read this book. Um, it has also been billed as The Crucible meets True Grit, which is incredibly high praise for this feminist um, alternative history Western. So it's the late 1800s and Ada has been married at age 17. And guess what? She actually loves her husband. Yay her. She loves her husband and she also loves what she does. She is an apprentice to her mother who is the town's midwife. Everything is great in her first year of marriage and then comes the one year anniversary and the town is talking in whispers. She is still without child, not for lack of trying. And in their society, that's a terrible thing. In fact, the people are talking because they think she might be a witch. Why is she not yet born a child? Unfortunately, being deemed a witch is punishable by death. So because of her circumstances, Ada is forced to become a fugitive. Now she ends up coming together with a ragtag bunch of outlaws called the Hole in the Wall Gang, and they're determined to create a safe haven for outcast women such as herself. So really curious to see what this world that Anna North has created looks like, um, and also to see what Ada does with the Hole in the Wall gang and see if any inroads can be made in their fight for justice. You liked it before uh, it was cool, Liz? Yes, she did. Where she did. It's yes. documented in the computer. I have the receipts. <laughs> I think sometimes a book blows up too because they because it is like filling a niche that we didn't know like what needed to be filled and then suddenly it's like well we've never seen that before how come nobody did that um, and then everybody just gets really excited I'm excited and then there's going to be like fifty other books that are in the same same thing coming out well there was already um, upright women wanted by Sarah Gailey so it's interesting that certain trends in publishing tend to come up at the same time. So like the feminist, the feminist Western, cannibalism, you know, all those fun kind of tropes. See, I didn't say it. I didn't mention it. It was a trend. It was 2020. 2021 is the year of the feminist Western, maybe. I'm calling it. All right, Corinne. Last round. All right. My last round, last book is actually my shortest book. This is a novella part of the quite frankly, staggeringly good novella series that Tor has been putting out. 
Um, I've talked about some of them before, um, each of them getting these incredible voices to write these novellas. My only complaint is that they are too short and they should all be novels because they're that good. This one is coming out by Aliette de Baudard, who is a French-American Nebula Award winner. She is of French and Vietnamese descent. And this is a fantasy novella that is inspired by a pre-colonial, I love the words that are used, Vietnamese-esque world that is a cross between the Goblin Emperor and Howl's Moving Castle, so two of my favorite books. Um, so that is Fireheart Tiger. Um, it is about a princess named Tan who has, uh, when she was a child, was sent away to be a hostage to the neighboring or uh, a powerful country named Efteria as a child. So she was raised there, grew up there, had her first love, and then was eventually sent back to her mother's court. Um, because she kind of grew up in that other powerful country's court, she's a bit of a diplomat, kind of working between their two countries to establish relations. However, it again places her in the past of that first love, Eldris of Etheria, who absolutely knows what she wants. She wants romance from Tan and also some natural resources and will not take no for an answer. So Tan is going to have to take things in her own hands and see if she can save the kingdom and maybe also win the girl. We'll see. Uh, I, I, it's going to be a rollicking good time. All of these novellas have been so, so great. And um, Alia de Botard is an amazing, amazing award-winning writer, especially of novellas. So I'm, I'm very excited for this one. It is very annoying how short they are. So short. So, so short. short. You know, I know Fiona and Liz both said they, they like short books, but it is too short. Just write three of them and then make them connected and then make them a novel. Like you may as well. You already came up with all these amazing characters and this like amazing world building. Just do something more with it. It's so like good. Saying you wish a collection of poetry was a novel. <laughs> yes, I often say that. It's like a good dessert. You know, it's it's rich, it's fulfilling, it's satisfying. You enjoy it, and then you no, move on. Just give me the whole cheesecake. No. Could be longer. Could always be longer. Yeah, and again, like the Ring Shout was another one last year. Like last year, I had a lot of really good novellas. Um, the Order of the Pure Moon Reflected on Water by Zen Cho. Like, they're all so good. And again, they could all be novels. Okay, we'll complain about that in our novella episode. <laughs> we'll have a lot to say. We will. All right, Fiona. So I believe that I have a novella as my uh, fifth pick. Um, I'm not completely sure because when I look, tried to look for the page count, um, it gave the same page count for ebook and physical book. So I'm pretty sure it's a novella, uh, which is something that drew it to me be because it is by uh, Nnedi... Akorafor, um, who writes very good novellas. Um, so she's done the Binti, Binti series and the Akatawitch series, which um, is a YA, I want to say, yeah, it's sort of like a, a younger YA that I really enjoyed. Well, it, it, it felt sort of Nigerian Harry Potter uh, without being a ripoff. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed that a lot which is why I'm going to read Remote Control. 
which is kind of giving me uh, space opera vibes, but I'm honestly, I don't want to read the uh, description because I, uh, I trust the author and I just want to go into it and enjoy it. it. I'm pretty sure it's a novella. So just being like, it's not a big commitment, um, I think is a great way to read novellas is just to surprise yourself. So I um, can just say that she's a great author and um, I'm expecting this to be Binti-esque and we'll have to find out later the rest. <laughs> Fiona, this is shocking. <laughs> she's so committed to like not reading it. She's not even going to tell us about it. Yeah. That amazing. is wild to go into a book without any clue what it's about. You never do that? No! Oh, it's the best way. If you have, like, a good recommendation, you trust something, you know, like, okay, this is worth reading, and then you can, like, save yourself from, like, spoiling. Nope. Yeah. It's nope. so good. Nope. Most nope. of the time when I don't enjoy a book, it's because my expectations were, like, either higher or different, and it just saves you from that. Mm -hmm. I might need to lie down. This is too much yeah. to handle. <laughs> I have feelings about that. <laughs> nope. Liz, which side are you on? I mean, if there's an author that you really love and they're consistently hitting it out of the park for you, then, like, okay, in that situation, I would take a flyer on them. Unless you hear Buzz saying, oh, this is a radical departure from what they usually write. In that case, that's a giant red flag. You do you, Fiona. Sometimes I pick things up just because I like the cover and I don't read the back. Mm, no. <laughs> I can't. Okay, sorry, Fiona, you're on your own with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while, while Corinne processed that, I am going to talk about my last book, which is weird because it also happens to be a novella, which I did not expect. Now, when I did this episode i was like you know what i'm gonna pick all new authors all new books you know not series continuation and any of that mm -hmm. and then of course then i got a hold of this book an advanced copy and then i read it i'm like no i need to talk about this who am i kidding and it is also a book that i've talked the first book i've talked about in the episode where we talk about books with blue covers and so my book is Effect by Nino Cipri. Also one of those amazing novella, but thank goodness there is a second book. Just I think this this author is doing what Corinne is suggesting. Just write a whole bunch of them. Now the first book is called Fina. And the reason I think I, you might remember why I said I was started to read it is because it is set in an IKEA-like Swedish furniture store, the Littenbard. We know that from the first book that because those doors are very confusing. Wormholes tend to appear. And when wormholes appear, sometimes customers end up walking into them, not knowing where they're going. And so it's up to the employees to go in and rescue them and bring them back. In the first book, Ava and Jules were the ones who end up having to go into the wormhole because they were the ones, well, Ava volunteered because they love adventure. But Jules really didn't want to go. But she didn't have a choice because she was the one with the lowest seniority. And it was super awkward for both of them because they just broke up. So you have to go into a wormhole when you don't really know what is on the other side waiting for you with your ex is very, very awkward. So that was the first book. And in the second book, I'm so excited that Nino Cipri decided to go back to the world because now we find out about Derek. 
Derek was the reason why Jules had to go in because Derek is the person with the lowest seniority. But on that day, he called in sick. And therefore, Jules had to go in. And so now, in this second book, Defect, we find out why Derek called in sick and his story. And Derek is a, somebody who never feels like he fit in. He is... His co-workers don't really, they kind of ignore him or they just kind of try to avoid him. They don't really care about him. And, and even though he feels like he's a good worker, he's proud of his work, he feels like he really embodies the values of Littenwald. Like, you know, he really believes in his work. His, his co-workers just find him a little too sincere, a little too enthusiastic about his work. And they, they just don't like him for what stupid reasons. Like, they think he blinks too much and and that's weird according to them so he always find like that he's he's a little he just doesn't belong and so this is really ultimately a story about belonging about fitting in about discovering who you are discovering that even though you might be different you are still a person that is worthy of love and everything else i I, I can't believe like Nino Cipri went and like just pick a, a, a one character and just you know decide to write a whole story about it and and turns out to be super amazing. I I am interested. Please, Nino Cipri, if you're listening, I would love to read about any of those employees that work at this store. Just give me, just keep giving me more and more of your amazing stories please go read Finna. it's amazing it's a novella so it's short so please go read it and then afterwards please check out defect by nino cipri love that book so much that does sound amazing i love that book so much such a good series wormhole with your ex that's that's good yeah it was it was a good it was an okay breakup, but it's still weird right it's still weird but yeah the fact that like they went back in and and decide to do another character in the book. So good, so good. Keep them coming. All right. Um, so that is our 25 recommendations for our most anticipated reads in January and to April. So lots and lots of books to choose from. We'll make sure we put a book list in the link um, underneath our video so that you can check all those books out and put them on hold. But you have to probably have to wait for some of us because um, so as we're talking, we're all like, hey, that sounds good. We're going to have to put some of those on hold. We'll read fast. We'll try to read fast. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us again. Um, this is a super long episode, but there's lots of good books to talk about. So, you know, can't help it. We can't help it. So um, until next week, happy reading, and we'll see you again. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Mm -hmm.